This is the Garden Path Podcast. garden friends. Misty here for the monthly garden update. Technically squeezing this in on the very last day of August, but knowing that September and then a few days is not going to look any different from August in regards to the weather at least. I'm just going to go ahead and record it now because it is it's a pretty nice evening. Humid, warm, but still nice. The light is slowly starting to fade more in the evenings, which I'm not, <laughs> I'm not happy about. I'm going to miss that the most, uh, as we slump down into fall and winter. I definitely enjoy having these evening hours outside or, you know, to be able to just sit and relax outside, whether or not I'm gardening or not is, is something I appreciate. And I'm going to miss that when <laughs> it's dark at 5 30 or 6 o'clock here in a few months so savor it while I can August <laughs> okay first actually I should say I realize I did these backwards I should be like saying this is August in the garden at like a recap for September at the beginning of September uh, instead of saying September in the garden but I guess I'm already <laughs> I'm already on this roll so we'll see uh, I may have to edit my <laughs> posts for this to say something different, but I was just thinking about that. I was like, I'm doing this the wrong way. I should be recording the September in the Garden at the end of September instead of, you know, the beginning. But here we are. Technically, this is a review of August. So August was hot <laughs> and dry and hot and dry. And... So last week, if you listened to the podcast episode at the beginning, I stated that we were possibly going to maybe dance around with Hurricane Laura. Well, on Wednesday, we got some very far outer bands before it even hit shore and uh, maybe half an inch of rain and a little bit of a guster here and there, but it was not, it was nothing to write home about. I honestly thought we were going to get a little bit more rain, but the storm went in in Cameron, Louisiana. So even places like Sabine Pass, Port Arthur, and Beaumont did not get nearly as much damage as they would have because they were on the left side of the storm. So they still have issues, but it was not nearly what they were expecting. And of course, everything <laughs> was worse in Louisiana, which meant over here in Houston area, we didn't get the rain we were hoping for. And it's been extremely dry for a while. I was already having to water trees and, uh, you know, I was out watering my vegetable garden almost every day and the days that I thought, eh, I could skip a day, I was always, <laughs> I was always treated to a plant looking at me very nastily when I came out the next day saying, why didn't you come out here? I needed some water and it's, it's been pretty hard and that's what August in Texas is and I, I know this and I always kind of I guess think in June that it's going to be a little bit better than it will be and it's not. But I will say I think August and September are probably one of the better better times in the garden. It's when everything is almost at its peak. The salvia uh, is is you know a front a front runner and blooming and all the pollinators come to the salvia. The mountain mint is all kind of flopped over. It still gets tons of pollinators but it's not standing up like it normally does. It's kind of 
done. It's not, well, I wouldn't say done. It's tired. <laughs> but the salvia is really at its peak right now. And that's what I love. The hummingbirds are coming by. I watched a giant swallowtail nectaring today. All sorts of gulfritillaries, little skippers come through. And it's just a very um, abundant plant to see. We have mostly salvia coccinea, and uh, it's nice little red flowers. There's also the coral nymph uh, variety, and it self-seeds everywhere as well. And then we have a couple other uh, plants. We have a Wendy's Wish, and there's another wish, I think it's called. I, mean, I can't think of the uh, companion to Wendy's Wish at the moment, but they're very, very similar, like magenta, maroonish, purplish kind of uh, flowers. And that's always a hit with the pollinators as well. And so those are doing really well. I'm waiting for some of my uh, blue curls uh, to to bloom. And I'm, I'm, I'm blanking on the scientific name of that at the moment. But it usually blooms right about now and into September. And so that should be filling out for some pollinators going into August. The Verbicina um, virginica, the frostweed, is <laughs> has reached its peak. It's already starting to go to seed and I'm going to have to, I will be pulling lots of seedlings next year as I did this year. Uh, and it got really tall, probably six, seven feet tall. A lot of it started leaning over, especially when we got some high winds. And I've, I've, I've started trying to thin that a little bit. I don't want to thin it too much because then there's going to be this big gap for the rest of the fall, but I'm going to try to tame it a little bit here. And next year, next year, I want to see if I can get it pushed back. So I may, I may move seedlings to the back and may even rip up some of the plants that it's where it's at this year and it'll come back from the roots and I'm going to move, I think I'm going to rearrange that plant it's kind of taking up a big chunk of the middle of the bed i'd like to go further back this year or next year and let some of the stuff in the back come to the front but i think i'm going to still have problems with that leaning issue and i'm looking at a post oak that is it's on the property line well it's on the property line but it's on my neighbor's property but it leans over into our garden and that's what provides a lot of the shade for that particular bed here and I may have my husband trim a couple branches, which may help with some of that light issue for that leaning of that, uh, the frostweed and some other plants kind of <laughs> wish they had more light than they get over there that I've kind of forced them into that section. So it looks really good right now in the flower garden. I think it's, uh, I mean, there's been, there's some gaps, but you know, it's been a pandemic. I haven't been plant shopping to fill out any gaps, but for what it's, what we've done this year it looks pretty good uh there's been a couple like good uh developments in the garden and the land of insects so the first is about a week ago i was out in the garden with my son and he always likes to get these little pink bananas they're not um they're not edible they never get larger than i don't know a few inches and i've long lost the tag so i can't tell you what it is but beautiful pink flowering banana sets these little fruits and he always likes to play with them and so I was going over to get them and I brushed up against something along a leaf and it was kind of pokey and it hurt and I was like well what's that and 
I almost reached for the banana again, but I was like, man, this still hurts. <laughs> so I stopped and looked at the leaf because I thought maybe it's a pine needle or I don't know, something. I don't know what I was expecting. Flipped it over and I was face to face with a saddleback caterpillar. And it is the first one I've ever seen. My husband saw one out in East Texas a few years ago. It's very, so that's like the closest I've ever been, you know. Uh, two degree separation from a cattleback, a cattleback, a saddleback caterpillar. And uh, so this was exciting. So I went in, washed my wrist off, and it was still hurt a little bit. But I went out to take pictures and investigate. And then we found two more on the same banana leaf. And then a little while later, or it may have even been the next day, my son found a fourth one. So at some point we've had four over there. And so I kind of started looking for more on all the other banana leaves. I haven't found any more. I kept tabs on those four throughout the week. And then over this last weekend, I only saw the one. So I was like, well, maybe they went off to pupate. Maybe wasp got them. I don't know what happened. And uh, today I ended up finding uh, one of them came back to that same leaf. And then I looked around on some of the other adjacent leaves and I found another one. So I still need to look and see if I can find that fourth one. And I just, I didn't do a ton of research, but my cursory Google searching, it seems like they are um, like a caterpillar for about four to five months before they pupate. So there's a good chance they've been over there all summer, you know, as smaller instars that I didn't even see them. And there's a good chance there was more than that at one point. So that's kind of exciting. I'm kind of nervous that I wonder if it's like, you know, once you plant it, they will come. Uh, like monarchs once you have them or go for layers or anything else like once they know your yard is a good place like they always come back um, I'm concerned <laughs> like am I gonna have to watch my banana leaves every year now because there's maybe saddleback caterpillars on them maybe so I don't know but that's a very exciting I'm very excited about that and uh, just really cool it's a cool caterpillar that I've never seen before and uh, always wanted to check it out the other development is, so earlier this summer I had noticed we had at least one black swallowtail caterpillar and a couple giant swallowtail caterpillars on our rue out in the edible garden. And eventually they disappeared and I know that the wasps got them. And this year I had started seeing lots, I've been seeing a lot of giant swallowtails recently. Just coming nectaring. They are flying around, and I know I have been checking our citrus. I've not seen eggs on the citrus. Who knows? They may be there. We also I've noticed some spiders on the trees, so spiders could have gotten them. But I went out to check the roo, and my son and I found seven eggs. And so, knowing that the wasps were, were likely going to uh, predate upon them and take them back to their nests I was like ah, I feel bad so let's try to raise some giant swallowtails <laughs> so about five days after we got the eggs the caterpillars uh, eclosed or hatched and I've been keeping them in the caterpillar cage where I normally keep the monarchs and just really keeping some little sprigs of rue in some floral tubes and a little pot with dirt in it I had a little styrofoam uh, piece that I had bought originally a few years ago for those floral tubes uh, you know like you would get if you were doing a uh, fake flower arrangement at a craft store and I can't find that so improvising with the dirt and so far they have done pretty well on that 
uh, they have not been in the crazy devouring stage so I'm still <clears throat> not using too many sprigs of root yet my husband said he wanted me to trim there's a couple runners or um, suckers coming up off of citrus that he wants <laughs> trimmed up so I may use those when they get to a bigger uh, instar when they start devouring everything and let them chow on that something I need to research a little bit more on is if these are gonna be overwintering because um, I know a lot of caterpillars if they go into uh, chrysalis in you know the fall they're gonna overwinter until spring and come out then which is what happened with some pipe vines I had a couple years ago they pupated in maybe September or early October and then some came out in December which I thought was weird and I think and the rest came out like late January or something like that I'd have to go back and look at my uh, blog notes on that but so I need to look at that and see if I'm gonna be taking care of chrysalises all winter now um, but I figured it was better than letting the poor wasps eat them uh, there's plenty of other things that the wasps can eat and I just wanted to save some really cool caterpillars and butterflies and and try to see see what they would do what else is going on like I said it's very very dry uh, honestly we, we so Hurricane Laura came by and because we didn't get the rain our county said okay fire ban and so we're on a fire ban which means things are really pretty crusty our pond that uh, we live on is is drying up on one end and it's been a few years since I've seen it this bad um, it got really bad that summer of 20 oh, no 2012 and 2013 had still we were still dealing with some droughts then the 2011 was the really bad drought here and which killed a lot of trees uh, across Texas including some in our yard um, and then the pond there's a pond across the street and it's getting pretty low too I took some pictures actually right before uh, Marco and Laura out there in the Gulf because I think thought we were gonna get you know some of the rain we originally Marco was originally supposed to come to, to the Houston area and drop some rain and then it didn't and I thought I would do it before and after and that didn't happen because we didn't get any rain so I'm still in the before of everything drying up and so we're watering trying to keep things alive and, and limp along until things cool off which my husband said next week we may get a cool front and there may be a high of 84 which is just kind of mind-blowing it feels a little bit early for that kind of temperature because September is usually pretty warm here so it's probably just a teaser of a couple days and we'll go back to being hot and uh, until we get to October at least and I'm a little sad because this time last year we were in Alaska and enjoying actual fall. Actually, it would have been late fall for them almost. And I'm looking back at old pictures and just the colors of the reds and the yellows and oranges. And just it's a complete opposite of what we're going through right now. <laughs> so that's really the highlights for the garden. Uh, oh, oh, one thing before I leave. I... So the edible garden is in a, I don't know, a period of stasis. Let's just call it that. The only things that look really good are my roselle hibiscus. Uh, I'm, I'm still waiting for them to flower. I feel like they're behind in flowering this year compared to previous years, but they're extremely tall this year too. So I don't know. We'll see. 
Uh, so I'm waiting for them to flower. And tomatoes for fall are... And I have a few that I'm trying to, to limp along. And if we do that cool front next week, that'll be great for them. And really, there's not a whole lot else going on. Just some herbs I'm keeping going and maybe some beans. But I'm thinking about fall. And my mind isn't quite there yet. But I thought I would at least try sowing few things in pots on the potting bench just to get a head start because I, I don't think it's a good idea right now to be sowing any kind of fall seeds in this heat and no rain or or any kind of moisture on a consistent basis other than me and I sometimes forget to go out every day or I get busy and so I'm gonna put them on the potting bench so I started some kale seeds and some red giant mustard seeds and I need to go through the rest of my fall seeds and see what else I could probably start a little early. I've never done anything like this, trying to start in pots and then transplant for fall at least. Uh, usually just direct sow starting in September. Radishes would probably be okay to direct sow, but anything else is just, it's just a little too early for, for us. I know North Texas could probably get by with some stuff, but it's just a little early for us without some protection from the heat and I don't have any kind of row covers or anything like that to knock the temperature down a little bit off that soil. So trying on the potting bench, maybe they'll germinate and then by the end of September I can just transplant them out into the garden and then start direct sowing some more stuff for fall. But I'm really kind of winging it at the moment and just biding my time for the cool off to really get going for the fall edible season. So, I don't have my calendar with me, so this episode is coming out here the first week of September. Next week, I'm going to have an episode, uh, the final episode from that Florida Trail crossover uh, uh, botanical conservation uh, interviews that I had, and then the next week is the week that I'm going to start the Gathering Moss read-along, uh, the Robin Wall Kimmerer book. So, if you haven't... Uh, get your hands on that book yet uh, you've got about two weeks to get get it done I'm gonna read chapters one and two and take notes and kind of just summary and do some research and report back it's just again <laughs> winging this sort of thing but I thought it'd be fun to go through it I already started flipping through it a little bit and I am very intrigued and excited about what we're gonna be reading so I hope you join along if you're not interested in reading and just want to listen I will try to cover it as best as I can without you know obviously reading the book to you but uh, I am very excited to learn a little bit more about moss and ecology and hear uh, from Robin a little bit more so pencil that in for two weeks from now and uh, I hope to it will be enjoyable for you guys all right until next time happy gardening You can find the Garden Path Podcast at thegardenpathpodcast.com, on Instagram at thegardenpathpodcast, and email me at thegardenpathpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.